Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today, we're discussing five things contractors need to know about taxes. What a good topic for this time of year on the Contractor Success Forum because we discuss financial strategies for running a more profitable, successful construction business. And we have Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company CPAs. And we have Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley, Bonding and Insurance Company. And I'm Rob Williams, Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. So, Wade. Man, this is the beginning of the year here. I don't know when other people are listening to this, but what a great time to know five things that contractors need to know about taxes. Yeah, a lot of these are things that I see all the time, mistakes people make. Sometimes it's ignorance. Sometimes it's doing what they think their peers are doing or somebody said on the internet. And so hopefully we can dispel a couple of those myths today. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll let you tell us one of the first things we need to know about taxes. Well, a lot of times people are structured in the wrong type of entity, and it's pretty much a given that if anybody goes out there on the internet, they're going to say, I need to be an LLC, no matter what. If they go to an attorney, and I'm not knocking attorneys, a lot of attorneys do not do taxes, but they will put somebody in an LLC in a heartbeat with the thought of, well, you can take an LLC and turn it into anything. Yeah, And it can backfire against you because in the wrong entity, it can cost you a whole lot of taxes. So we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. There's so many factors in that. And I see people with different ones. And I I see the same people with multiple entities also. We had that too. And and things change over the years because when I think I know something about it, a lot of my Knowledge and information is what it was like in the 1980s. I think some things have changed since then. Stephen, do you see that too? Or I do, and it's just nonstop. We're dealing with proprietorships, partnerships, LLCs, C-Corps, Subchapter S-Corp. All these entities, the whole intent of that is try to limit your liability, protect a corporation. And, you know, that's a separate entity. And it's taxed differently. And there are rules to that. And some of them are great and some of them are pain in the butt. You know, that's number one. You know, one thing, Wade, you were talking about the attorneys in there. There's two separate factors and the attorneys are probably, most of them are probably not thinking about taxes. They are, like you just said, Stephen, they're thinking about liability. Yeah, liability protection. And I think about some contractors that maybe they got a huge investment in equipment, big gala iron stuff and they may have a building and they're trying to protect those assets and we get that but i also see some attorneys setting entities up in trusts and stuff like that it's a great idea on paper for your estate planning but it can wreck you for tax purposes going back to the llc thing a lot of people pay a ton of money in self-employment taxes needlessly when just swapping that over to an s corporation can say, I'm not saying that's always the right thing because any one of the entities can be the right thing in the right circumstances. And the type so how of- how do you decide? There's a ton of different factors that go into it. Some of it is going to be the type of work you do. It could go along the lines of the states you're in. Some states say, for instance, they treat LLCs or S corporations differently than the federal treats them. There's a lot of other things like certain equipment entities. You could have sales tax issues. You could have like for your building, 
if you are renting back your own building, you can get in trouble with self-employment taxes if you put it in the wrong type of entity. And it's passive income, but a lot of people don't realize a self-rental is something very different from renting to, you know, somebody else that is not related to you. You know, I just got hit this year by our development company. We've held the land in there for so long and we were intending to build on it ourselves and not sell it. So we never transferred it to a different thing. So my long-term capital gains, this is a huge hit, end up being regular income. Oh, it was pretty devastating on us because we changed our plan at the last minute and there wasn't time to do it. And, and so this was a very significant amount of our assets and income that, that we're getting hit with regular income instead of long-term gain. Yeah, Rob, I don't know your particular situation, but a lot of times people will get things like real estate with long-term appreciation in like that's a C-corporation. Oh, that's not- and you don't get capital gains rates in a C-corporation. So a lot of that depends on what you're in. Sometimes it depends on your intent. Is you going to flip a property or you're going to buy it and renovate it and, and rent it out? That can make a very different, I can give you a different answer based on. That's exactly our situation, Wade. And we, it's funny, I even knew that, but the partner that's handling that didn't realize that. And it didn't occur to me that we were in that when we decided to sell the property instead of build on it, we we didn't realize that this was going to happen. That may have changed our mind, although it's it's good to have a bird in hand. Somebody wanted to buy that property. So I don't know that I think it, but we should have years ago because we've, we've been holding this for 30 years and we still had it in the development company and, and we never transferred it over at that lower value to a holding type company that would be taxed at capital gains. Well, Wade, maybe you can explain that because I know I asked you about this a few weeks ago when it came up, but if you're a development company and that's your primary business, then you have to do that as your ordinary income. Is that correct? That's true. Yes, absolutely. And we'd also, not to change the subject too, but whatever the answer is, do you have partners in the business or is it just you or is it a husband and wife? If you got partners in it, you may want to think, well, what's their situation? Yeah. They, they got a spouse that their marriage is on the rocks or something like that. I've seen many companies that they get, dragged into a divorce and innocent partners out there, they're strung through the mud with all the stuff that goes on with their partner. So the lesson learned here, picking the right entity, there's just a lot of elements that go into place. Yeah. But the entity is how you're taxed. You know, one other thing, see, before we move to the next one, Wade mentioned trust. And I've been doing a lot of work with trust the last couple of years. And there's so many different types of trust. So it's not automatic that you're going to be paying a lot of taxes. So just because an attorney or your tax advisor advises you to do a trust, there are some trusts that are just there for estate purposes. They are revocable and they are not taxed as a trust. So knowing the difference between what type of trust you have, is it a trust that is taxable as a trust? And I'm not going to get into the different factors there? Or is it a trust that is set up just to avoid probate to be a convenience factor? And it doesn't have to do with taxes. It's more about control issues. So trusts are not always highly taxable. Some trusts 
don't make any taxable difference to you. It's just a control thing. And so I think a lot of times we're doing trusts instead of wills right now. And there's a lot of work. So your guys may not want to do that because you got to change all the titles and everything. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to knock a trust. I just in the operating entity, sometimes that can be tough to get them. I mean, you can distribute out the profits and it flows through the shareholders. But if you leave it in the trust, you quickly get to the highest tax bracket. But again, I'm not trying to generalize on anything today. The big thing that I'm seeing on the negative of the trust are trusts that were set up many years ago when the inheritance tax had a small ceiling on or whatever, a small base before when you start doing it. So a lot of people have these trusts set up that are not even going to save them anything on taxes when they leave this earth. And so if they're not big enough, then they're not getting those gains anymore. Some of this stuff was set up 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So those are, they're putting them in that high bracket. And so they may have to unwind those. Well, I just brought it up because I had a situation where an attorney stuck it in there for liability protection, but had absolutely no idea what it did for their taxes. Yeah. So like I said, any one of the entities in the right circumstance is the right answer. And before I was not knocking LLCs in the right situation, they definitely are the right answer. What I'm seeing on this, Wade, is that the attorney that set these up is not even involved anymore. They haven't even talked to that attorney in 20 years. Are they different? For a contractor of tax avoidance... The things that ends Wesley Snipes in jail or something, this kind of thing. A lot of what we're talking about with construction is tax deferral. And it's just the CPS. So they've got this stuff set up and and it's not there anymore. So anyway, I, I kind of dove into that. You kind of hit one of my sweet spots that I like <laughs> there. So, uh, all right. So, so, all right, we're supposed, we got to get to five different things we need to know about taxes. Should we move on, Stephen? I wouldn't let you move Number on. Two. Earlier. Number two, deferring your taxes deferring versus avoidance. What's the difference? So you're just not paying the taxes this year, right, Wade? Part of the the game, I would say, is sometimes kicking the can down a road can defer the taxes. We were actually just talking before we came on when the music stops, when we have a bad recession, things like that. But most of the games are, let's push it down the road. What? You win my tax advisor? My accountant... He told me he was saving me all that money. What, what you mean? I'm going to have to pay it later? Well, I don't know any contractor what? that loves paying taxes. So what? I, I thought he was good. saving me all that. I thought I didn't have to pay any of that. I, I've seen. Yeah, I'm not just saying this. Everybody in the bonding business. I've seen a lot of contractors go bankrupt trying to get out of paying taxes. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's because you just get so slick. You get so obsessed with it. Getting out of paying taxes, deferring taxes, and then putting the money away that you're going to have to pay at some point. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Avoiding it is just, I I don't owe it until your business is shut down by that. Well, there's a good avoidance, too, when you actually save money by by like finding something that you don't ever have to pay it. There's some of those, Wade, I think that's a good point. Stephen was just making. Can you kind of dive in just a little bit, make the point again about tax avoidance versus tax deferral? Because tax deferral, you're going to have to pay it someday. Tax avoidance. There are ways to legally defer taxes. If you're putting it away in a retirement plan or, you know, a profit sharing plan, those are some great ways to do it. But, you know, my point of this is, number one, thinking about what happens when the music stops. But number two, when you're planning this, if you're a calendar year in, 
on January 1, it's too late to do anything about 98% of the ways you can change your taxes. But number three point on this is you don't want to wreck your financial statements and you don't want to wreck your cash flow by trying to defer taxes and buying that new pickup truck every single year. So to me, wait, let me try to do a real simple example. Tax avoidance are things that you that get a tax credit for is say like keeping the mileage on your truck. If you keep that and you write that, if you don't do it, you're not going to get those this year, 50 cents a mile. You're not pushing it down the road anywhere. You're just saving money this year that you're not going to have to pay later. Yeah. I know that's something that nobody likes to keep, you know, records. And there are some nice apps out there like Mile IQ and stuff like that, where you can keep up with that kind of stuff. But yeah, that you're actually saving money this year and you're not deferring it to have to pay next year. I don't know. They made that movie, The Firm in Memphis, and it was all about avoiding taxes. <laughs> you remember that with Tom Cruise? Yeah. I'm right here in Memphis, Tennessee, folks. Yeah. Hey, so don't do that. Okay. And then so don't, don't mail your bills with mail fraud. So. Yeah. Right. You don't want to do mail fraud. Good point. And, <laughs> and we can go on record of saying that on our, on our podcast. I like that. No and, mail fraud. Okay. So taxes, CPAs. <laughs> You get what you pay for advice-wise. Well, I've talked about that over and over again. And be clear when you're getting these savings, make sure they explain to you whether you're going to owe that later or not because it really messes up your cash flow picture. I've never seen – I don't want to say never. I've never seen anybody when they get these tax deferrals put the money away in an account that they're going to be able to pay. That's what you should do, but I've never seen anybody do that. (laughs) it's a beautiful concept yeah it's a happy concept to think okay i've deferred taxes put the money away that i've made interest on that i owed by by deferring those taxes till another time if you don't have that money later the cost that you're going to go through to get that money to pay those taxes is going to dwarf any kind of savings you made from getting that tax break i hate talking about all this sad stuff taxes are sad but you know wade is demand when it comes to taxes. And I've said this over and over again. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. You get what you pay for in accountants. So you get good advice or you get bad advice. So what do you want to pay for that? Yep. All right, Wade, do you have anything else on this one? No, I know we need to kind of move on. Maybe number three and four, we need to kind of combine in the interest of time. Number three would be like understanding their accounting method for tax purposes as well as financial statement purposes, but we're talking about tax today. And number four would be knowing how to use that method you're set up under. Now, going back to number three, first of all, once you set up a method, it's sometimes hard to change methods. You have to get IRS approval normally, but I would say there's a lot of CPAs out there that don't really know the rules. And maybe you're on a cruel basis for tax purposes, But you didn't know about the rule about like accrual less retention. Mm -hmm. And that is a separate hybrid method. You you may be picking up and paying taxes on retainage that hasn't come in yet. And you can avoid that with the right method. But there's also a ton of CPAs that didn't know about the rule for construction. Being on the cash method used to be up to $10 million. Now it's $26 million. Oh, and it's an index for inflation. There's so many people. There was a rule 
that there was like a $5 million rule that general businesses fell under that once you got above 5 million, you had to have accrual basis tax books. Well, a lot of CPAs didn't know the difference in construction. And so people were paying taxes on receivables that they haven't gotten yet. So, you know, there's the opposite of what we were talking about earlier deferring. It's like paying them early when you don't have the cash yet for that. Well, there's also, and again, I could go back to stories over the years, but I've seen CPAs put people on percentage of completion because they think that's what they're supposed to do. And they don't fall under the rules where they're forced to go on percent complete. There are other rules like the completed contract method or those kind of things that are can be a huge deferral of gain if you fall under the right circumstances. Can you just take a second to explain to people about how you're keeping your books probably in two ways, the gap and then the taxation. I don't think I realized there were two different methods that you use concurrently. You have to report in two different ways on the same year. Well, one set of books, Rob. Yeah, we did one set of books. I I won four sets. (laughs) Well, again, if you actually do have two physical sets of books, you're probably in that Wesley Snipes category. Yeah, right. (laughs) We don't talk about that. So I actually would suggest a lot of times there are three different methods. What you do in-house, somebody may be keeping something on a cruel basis, but when we go to do their taxes, we may be on the cash basis for tax purposes, but we may have to put them on the percentage completion for financial statement purposes. Yeah. And it's not that we're doing anything funny business, but it's, you know, the fact that number one, tax law allows you to sometimes accelerate some depreciation and do some things like the cash method when generally accepted accounting principles wouldn't allow us to do that. So it's different planning. Again, going back to the tax thing, if you plan it properly, you can keep your cash basis tax profit low while maximizing your profit and hopefully not screwing up your cash. Right. So I know for me, the cash basis for for the listeners that don't know from a non-CPA, I'll explain it. That's the money that's coming in and out and you're keeping it from when you're actually getting paid and when you're actually paying out where the accrual to me lets you know how you're actually doing profitability wise to management wise even though the cash may not have come in yet because it's so hard to to factor that in sometimes. Is that a reasonable layman's explanation? Yeah, I'd love to say everybody should, in, like their in-house book should be on percentage completion all the time. Yeah. So that's really a more true, but it's it's more... Gives you a true picture right now rather true than... True picture, it's a lot more work. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the the second part of this is what do we do if we know we're going to be on the cash method versus accrual method versus completed contract method? What do we do different? The planning is very different. It's kind of simple on cash method. If you try to defer getting your cash in the door by the end of the year, yeah, you try to pay out everything you can to knock down the profit. If you're accrual, then, well, maybe you shouldn't bill it. But, you know, I, again, I don't want to give blanket advice like that, but those are generally the strategies and knowing how to utilize them can make a big difference in your taxes. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the deferral versus the avoidance. And I used to want to pay as little taxes, as few taxes in the year, but I didn't realize I got burned quite a few times. I went a huge amount the next year. So being careful that what's happening 
especially at those end of the year, whether you're realizing it cash versus deferral, because you mentioned something that I had forgotten about that you may be paying taxes on something that you haven't gotten yet. Exactly. And and then you're getting in trouble the opposite way where I typically think of the things that you're just not paying it this year with the money that you made this year. So putting that money away from the profits and the revenue that you got now to make sure you do it. That's where profit first comes in to play on planning this. You know what percent of your revenue is probably going to need to go to pay those taxes at some point. So you're reserving it. You're putting it away. Don't take that out and spend it somewhere else because it's going to come back to get us. That's that's sort of my biggest thought point that I did not think that way when I was a contractor years ago until I learned the hard way. Yeah, I think a lot of contractors, I, I can point to some examples in the Great Recession where, again, when the music stopped and then your receivables came in the next year, and you didn't have any expenses to use against it, but they kept using the cash yeah. to keep their employees and not realizing, hey, you know, whether it turns around or not, I can't spend this money. One other thing I was going to talk about, and this is just a small one, but a lot of people don't know this, and we refer to it as a credit card rule. And even if you are on the cash basis, if you charge something on your credit card, you get to deduct it, whether you've paid that credit card or not. And there are certain things like that and payroll taxes or there's things about like accruing a profit sharing. You can't do that on a cash method, but say you did a match on a 401k based on payroll, you could deduct some of those things. So it's just knowing, I guess the reason I brought up the credit card rule is just another thing that if you know the rules and you know how to play the game, you can kick it down the road and avoid paying those taxes. But I think the point of this whole, our podcast is let's get you to build a healthy company and paying taxes is not necessarily a bad thing if you're making some money and we, we want you to make some money on this. You know, Wade, that's a great point. I wonder when I'm looking at cash basic books versus accrual, I still don't know exactly which things, I mean, I read the different financial statements because somebody else has done that, but I don't still don't know which things on cash basis are quote accrued still, like you were just talking about that contingent liability type stuff. We could probably almost have a whole episode on that of knowing which things under cash basis count you have to take right now and then which ones you don't and what the differences are on that because it's not just cash flow. Right. 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 And good accounts want you to know the rules. They want to teach it to you. I and need they to know want you better. to plan for your taxes all year round, not right after your year end. That's when you get the bad news, isn't it, Wade? Well, it is too, but it's also when your bond agent wants you to dress up your financials too. So Wade can do it both. He can save you on taxes and dress up your financials for bonds. That's Wow. Well, we try to. We yeah. try to. Some okay. situations don't allow that, but we, if Legally. we know the game, then we can. Well, Wade, that's some great stuff. Thank you. Yep. All right, boy. This has been a this has been a great topic. I I could go to an all day seminar on this and maybe enjoy it. So, uh, <laughs> well, you're a freak. Yes, I'm a freak. You don't get enough sleep, so you probably <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that's huh? true. And it was because I was taking somebody's accrual basis and transferring that into 
cash basis for our profit first assessment. And it took me so much longer than I thought. I was doing that for hours and hours. So I was learning about what you're talking about. So, okay. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, this has been great. Anything else, Wade? No, I know we're kind of out of time. And unfortunately, we can't go into a lot of detail today, but I hope it helps somebody. All right. Well, follow us some more. Hey, if, if you got some questions on that, contact Wade. He's, he does an amazing job for job costing for contractors remotely. You don't even have to be there in the same place. So I'm anyway, a that's, financial game changer for construction contractors. There you go. You got it. You got it. That's All true. Right. Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company, CPAs. You can find him at contractorsuccessforum.com. We can find all of us and all of our contact information. That's Stephen Brown with McDaniel Whitley, Bonding and Insurance Company. And I'm Rob Williams with Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. Let us know how we can help you and have a great day. Thanks for listening. 